everyone. Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I appreciate you joining me for another episode, and I'm really excited today. I have a guest for the first time on the program, Pastor Paul Stevenson, and you might recognize him from a video I shared a couple weeks ago uh, where he made a really good video about will the true Israel please stand up, and I really enjoyed hearing that, and it's exciting to uh, you know, just see other preachers standing for the truth on these things and in other parts of the world. And if you don't know Pastor Stevenson, he is from down under in Australia. And so we're going to go ahead and introduce him to uh, let him introduce himself to you. And so, Pastor Stevenson, thank you for coming on the program and just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and about your ministry. Oh, thank you, Pastor McMurtry. I appreciate that and uh, excited to uh, to be on today and uh, have enjoyed, as I said before, enjoyed the Spirit of Prophecy podcast and and uh, what a challenge that's been. And uh, as a pastor, I've, I've enjoyed being challenged and it's something, you know, I never want to stop learning. So uh, uh, some things that you've uh, shared on the Spirit of Prophecy podcast has been a real blessing. So, uh, yeah, uh, my name's, uh, as you know, Paul Stevenson. I, uh, I I was saved in an independent fundamental Baptist church in 1980. So it's going back a little ways now. And uh, grew up in the uh, independent fundamental Baptist because I say when I was 10, uh, went to uh, Bible college through an independent Fundamental Baptist Bible College and uh, was an associate pastor for a while and then went into pastoring and uh, church planning. So I've pastored two churches and the church that I'm in now is the third church um, that we uh, that we've planted. So uh, it's been an exciting journey, exciting uh, to be in the ministry. I've been married, married 34 years to uh, to Tracy. We've got four adult children now who are great, a great blessing and, and are in church and uh, in the ministry. So uh, appreciate that. And I've got one grandson. So uh, things are going very well. And at the moment, we pastor uh, Open Door Bible Church, which is an independent fundamental Baptist church, though I know the name Baptist is not in the church. And I wouldn't have done that many, many years ago, but there's some reasons behind that uh, why, why we did that. Uh, but we are an independent fundamental Baptist church, hold to the doctrines and, and uh, King James only and all of that. So uh, that's, I guess, a little bit about myself. Okay. Well, yeah, that's interesting too, because uh, some of the questions I have for you, and for those watching, uh, this is the first time me and Pastor Stevenson have spoken with each other. We just spoke uh, very briefly uh, before the program, so I'm learning about him, and that's kind of what this program is. Uh, I want to, uh, on this podcast, just you know, introduce other people uh, who have good beliefs and something that they can contribute and uh, I don't know Pastor Stevenson's position and everything, and not everybody I have in the program just you know lines up to a T with me. Some people are are very different, and I don't have all the answers on this. I just like to talk about all the questions and uh, and give my opinions, which is a lot of what I do. And so one of the things though that I, I'm planning on asking you about though is just kind of you know church culture in Australia, especially IFB and all that. But the first question I have to ask you, though, because this came up from uh, the la- the video I shared of you. Are you a Freemason? So I have to earn- insert something for myself here. I had his audio wrong, so we cannot hear his response. But he is not a Freemason. And he he thought that was kind of funny. And he kind of laughed because I guess Americans make a big deal about that and are suspicious and stuff. And so uh, I just wanted to insert that in here. The audio was gone. 
Pastor Stevenson is not a Freemason. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, that's something that that I personally find fascinating talking to people from other countries, especially Christians from other countries, is I think we often fail to separate what it about us is cultural versus biblical. We think everything that we do, how we act, how we sing, our style, we think it's all straight out of the Bible. But our culture does rub off on us more than we want to admit. And so I think it's interesting when you talk to people from other countries um, who have the same religious beliefs, um, you know, about a lot of these things. And it kind of helps you separate the culture from actually the, the doctrine. And but but one thing I'm, I don't know about, I don't know a lot of people from Australia. I've not talked with many, but um, typically if I talk to somebody from another country uh, who is in a fundamental Baptist church, it seems like a lot of times their pastor isn't even from that country. It's an American missionary. And so when it comes to independent fundamental Baptist churches, is there a lot of American influence, do you think, in those type of churches in Australia? And is there maybe another culture of IFB? Because you mentioned, too, how your church doesn't have the name Baptist. you want to maybe explain how some of that works in Australia? Uh, a man of American influence and uh, something, you know, the, <laughs> the Americans often get blamed for a lot of things, but we're, we're very thankful for uh, the American missionaries. The first American independent fundamental Baptist missionary that came to Australia was in 1966. That's when independent Baptist churches began here in Australia, and that was by uh, a man by the name of Randy Pike. And uh, from the time of Randy Pike from 66 until now, we've had a, a, a great influence by American missionaries. And the major influence, I would say, would have been the BBF, BBF missionary, the Baptist Bible Fellowship. Uh, a lot of churches here in Australia were started by Bible Baptist Fellowship missionaries uh, and, and were very, very successful, um, mainly uh, situated around New South Wales, uh, Sydney, if you get a map of Australia down there. Uh, but now I think the greatest uh, uh, amount of American influence or missionaries would be over in Western Australia. There's a, a large amount over there uh, from America. So a, a major influence from BBF. And then the next would be um, Bob Jones University. So there's a few BJU uh, missionaries that are here. Uh, and also Hiles Anderson back in the day. I don't think too many Hiles Anderson guys come out now. I haven't seen too many of them come out. Um, and a couple from Crown College um, from Tennessee. So I would say all churches back in the day were started by American missionaries. Now I think there's more Australians that are taking churches and pastoring churches and, and even planting some churches. Uh, Americans are still coming over, so they're still coming over and starting churches. Um, but, yeah, America has had a great influence uh from a Christian perspective, but also from an independent fundamental Baptist perspective. So if, if BBF had a big influence, do you guys fight all the time about closed communion versus open communion in Australia? There was one fellowship meeting and all, all of pastors would go there, right? Until, until there was the big fight over local church, universal church, closed communion, open, all that sort of stuff. So there was a big fight and it split. Uh, so the fellowship meeting now is split. There's the National Baptist Fellowship meeting, 
once a year. And at the same time, there's the Baptist Pastors Fellowship meeting, which is predominantly Baptist Bride. <laughs> That's the Baptist Bride group, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's probably not so much fighting now. We just don't talk to one another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Well, I mean, that's good. You know, I'm glad America was influential in getting fundamental Baptists over there. But it sounds like they actually succeeded in getting Australians trained to where, you know, you actually have Australian pastors, which it seems like in a lot of countries where Americans have been for years, they never have indigenous pastors. And I yeah. think I, I think that's a good sign. So, um, so yeah, so you definitely... That that's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. You know, obviously well, some of the political early, stuff. Early, yeah, early in the part, a lot of our guys would go to America to be trained. So a number of Aussie guys went to BBC in Springfield, Missouri, uh, and actually one Aussie guy that went over there in the late or mid seventies. He actually came back when he came back, graduated. He he uh, planted a church in Adelaide, South Australia, another state, and uh, and that became one of our largest churches. In Australia, I think when he stepped down, the church had about 300 people in it, which was very big back in the day because the average size of the church in Australia, an independent fundamental Baptist church, it, it, it would be around about 50, I would say, the average size. So, you know, when we get to something like 100, 150, 200, whatever, that's that's big for us. Mm. You know, we don't have the mega church, independent fundamental Baptist mega church over here. We've got a few charismatic me- mega churches, but... I think at the moment our largest independent fundamental Baptist church would be around about 250, again, 300. So we've I don't think we've ever really reached the 500 size mark, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, despite all of that. So, yeah, we had some of our guys go over to get trained in America, but then a uh, BBF guy, uh, Pastor Matthews, he started Sydney Bible Baptist College Back in Sydney in the uh, in the mid seventies, I think it was. So that's really our main independent fundamental Baptist Bible college that we have here, where where students will go. Okay. So what would be? Because I know there's others that I know about too in Australia that are IFB and doctrine, but not they don't put it on the name. So what's the reason for not using the name so much? Oh, look, I think there's, there's look, there's there's churches over here that have the, the name Baptist who are not. Uh, but then there are those and, and those of us that don't have the name Baptist in our sign. Uh, we are Baptist. And, and I don't know. And I can't speak for other guys. I mean, Bible church, we're not part of the Bible church movement. I know the Bible church movement is a big thing. We're not. We're not that. The reason why we voted, I guess, on going either Open Door Baptist Church or Open Door Bible Church was uh, predominantly because in our area we've had a number of uh, independent Baptist pastors fall from grace, mm. if you if you please, mm. uh, and we've still got a little bit of um, back in the um, the two thousands there was a uh, church uh, here in Queensland where uh, pedophilia had come in and really damaged the lives of a lot of people and and that now now that happened back in the early 2000s there's there's still issues with that even today so where we planted open door that's really in an area where all of that problem happened we've had pastors that have that have gone to court and got done for stalking and and perversion and and we've had pastors done for whoremongering and embezzlement and things of that nature so the my reason for 
not doing that is because the blackened eye, I guess, if you please, you know, it's really taken a bit of a hit. So it's a little bit of a, a talking point, you know, when you go somewhere, oh, you're not Baptist because you don't have the name Baptist in your sign. Well, we are, mm. you know what I mean? It's just that we've chosen to go the way we have because of certain things that happen. Now, some guys might say, well, bless God, you ought to just, you know, fly the flag anyway. And I get that. And I probably, and I, like I said a few years ago, probably would have done that. Uh, it's funny because I, the first church that I pastored, I took over from an American missionary whose pastor was Wayne Williams, which is what who Pastor Matt first took over yeah. from uh, in, uh, is it Dakota there? So mm -hmm. actually emailed Pastor First the other day to get some books and mentioned the pastor's name. He went, oh, that's a name from the past. So, you know, when I took over that church, there was a, a dark cloud over that church in regards to some financial dealings as well. And I was getting phone calls from lawyers and, and all of that in regards to everything. So I still kept the name Baptist there, but this time I've just chosen to go down a different path just to see perhaps, you know, how it would turn out. Now, I could always change it back mm. to Open Door Baptist Church if I wanted to. But as far as others, I, I'm not sure. I, I really couldn't speak for them as to why perhaps they leave the name Baptist out mm. instead of putting it in. But that's really the main reason. And we want to be known as Bible too. Um, you know, some people say, well, if you're Baptist, you're Bible and all this sort of stuff. Well, I've come to the opinion now that just because you've got the name Baptist on your church sign, it doesn't mean that you're Bible. You know what I mean? Because I guess there's a lot of different uh, different beliefs out there and so on. So, yeah, it's not that we're not independent fundamental Baptists. We've just chosen not to put the name in there at this stage. Mm -hmm. It could change later on. but Right. Well, yeah, I know some pastors who have really struggled in their areas because the Baptist name had been so run through the mud because of those very things. And it did create real challenges for them. Mm. And, you know, and ultimately, mm. you know, it's, it's an identifier, but some, in some places it might identify you with stuff you don't want to be identified. So I, no, I, can, right. I can, I can definitely understand that. And so for the doctrinal police watching too, you know, fall, you, you can <laughs> fall from grace in your community, which is what I'm assuming yeah. you meant by that. And, but for all the, yeah. For all the all the goofballs out there, but um, but yeah, so obviously uh, I, I've got you know a few more questions just about things in Australia, but you know the, uh, this is ultimately a uh, you know mainly about prophecy and eschatology and Israel and things like that, and so um, I really enjoyed your video about Israel when I was listening to it. The points you were making, it was very obvious that you knew your stuff, uh, that you were um, you know on the on the right track and everything and you have the right position uh you know you kind of had your own ways uh, i heard of putting things that i thought was just really good some just really good points so i guess uh is like in america it's like if you're ifb you're almost always most of the time it's going to be pre-trib very pro-zionist is that how it is typically in australia with baptist churches Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I only know of a few guys here that are post-trib pre-rath. Uh, and uh, one guy in New South Wales, um, you know, when he came out about it, David Cloud actually sent him a, uh, sent him a message saying he wants his ordination papers back. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, and everyone's separated from this guy. You know what I mean? Like he had mm -hmm. other pastors that were at his church and, the moment he came out on a different position, they all just left, you know what I mean? Because it's not, it's not right, it's heresy, you know what I mean? 
Um, so yeah, there, there's uh, there's another brother up here in who's a good friend of mine, um, brother Kevin. He's uh, he's post trip pre wrath, um, and brother brother Kevin, uh, you know he's um, uh, I guess he he's with the um, we're associated with with Stephen Anderson crowd because um, Stephen Anderson came on the scene in a big way probably you know a few years ago with stuff, and when he came out. In Australia, with his position, all, all the independent other independent fundamental Baptist churches are like ah, you know what I mean. And if you hold to a different position, you're an Andersonite and all this sort of stuff. And um, so there's there's me, there's brother Kevin, there's brother Charlie uh, down there in New South Wales, and and a few other guys like the guy, the gentleman that I took over from in my first pastorate. Obviously, he's he's post trip pre wrath, but he's not pastoring anymore. And uh, I think there's another American guy who also his pastor was Wayne Williams. I think he's back in the States, though. So there's probably only, you know, not even five of us that hold to the post-trib pre-wrath. There's a, there's a gentleman in, uh, pastor in uh, South Australia who sort of, you know, he's studying it out. He's looking at it and, and asking questions and so on. So, um, but that's the thing. It's like if you if you come to a different position on, you know, pre-tribulation, then you're basically wiped. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't, you don't get fellowshiped with. You don't get invited to stuff and and all of that. So, I've just come to the conclusion that I want to. I'll believe what I'll believe if it's biblical. And and if I don't get to fellowship, then that's so be it. You know what I mean? Just part of it. But yeah, majority over here are, are pre-trib. You know, okay. you've got all the adjectives. We are post-trib, pre-millennial, non-charismatic. You know, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Right. Well, for sure, the and, you know, and this might bother some pre-tribbers, but it's just a fact. If you're very divisive and are breaking fellowship over those things, that is a, that's a cultural thing. You know, you don't become divisive about and break fellowship over that just because of your Bible convictions. And it's just, right. and so with the American influence that's over there, then that doesn't surprise me. And that was one of the things I wondered about if everybody fought over there over eschatology as much as they do over here. And so the other thing too, when it comes to the subject, you know, of Zionism, you know, Zionism, it's like it's patriotism over here. We have Baptists all over. They wear the lapel pins. It's got an American flag on one side and the Israeli flag on the other side, America and, and our politics, it's very pro-Israel, um, which I feel like it's it's the Republicans pandering to the Christian and the evangelicals. I don't I don't think most of them really care that much. I I think it's I think it's pandering, but um, so I think there's a lot of political influence because Baptists over here they watch a lot of Fox News and Newsmax and all that stuff is very pro-Israel. So. When it comes to the Australian politics, um, are they also very pro-Zionist and aligned with Israel? And if they are, does, do you think that influenced Baptists that way in your area? Or is it just not as big of a thing? Uh, Australian media over here, definitely a, a pro-Israel. You know what I mean? Like you get the news media over here and everything's, um, you know, Israel and against Hamas. And even here in Australia recently, Palestinians in uh, here in Queensland and New South Wales have sort of, um, you know, marched and, and you know, come out against, uh, you know, you guys are pro-Israel and all of this, dealing with Australian politics. 
Um, so, yeah, very, very heavily. We're very left-leaning, very left-leaning in our media over here in Australia. Um, I don't think there's only one news media that really is a little bit more balanced than others. But Australian politics here, it's very different here in Australia to America. America, that's patriotism in America and flying the flag and, you know, having your, your 4th of July and, and walking through churches, waving flags and all this sort of stuff. You don't get that here. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get that here. You might have Australian churches with an Australian flag and a Christian flag up the back and all of that, but you you won't see you won't see in Australian churches what you'll see in America churches. Our media don't doesn't really affect us here. Again, what affects us here in Australia when it comes to that is America. Mm-hmm. So you know we don't whether you're Democrat or Republican over here to us is like well whatever, but it's what comes from. Uh, you know, Lancaster Baptist Church or what comes from, you know, you name it, you name the, say, the big the big churches. It's like what's fed down through that here into Australia. That's what affects us. Okay. You know what I mean? So if Paul Chappell goes this way, then it's like, oh, it must be right. You know what I mean? Let's mm. let's go over here. And, you know, so we are, we are very much affected by Zionism from that regards. You know okay. what I mean? All in, all, I would say... I would say all independent fundamental Baptist churches here in Australia would be pro-Israel. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. again, when you when you come out and you start saying, well, who is the real Israel, you know what I mean, and you start teaching, well, you know, Israel in the flesh or old covenant Israel, that's not God's chosen people for today. You're a heretic, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, no, you can't say that, you know. Yep. So in that regard, it's similar. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting too because even in the Bible, uh, you know, the early churches, they, you know, they were all started by Jews. You know, they were the original mm. evangelists and everything. And one thing they all dealt with was just that, you know, Judaism kind of creeping in to those churches. It was like they were kind of bringing right. some of the culture with them and they didn't need all of it. And I, I really feel like American missionaries have done that is, you know, we've brought a lot of good doctrine in things, you know, because I, I think doctrinally IFB is solid for the most part but we do sure. bring seem to bring a lot of cultural junk with us and so one thing i got to ask about too um in australia cuz i know this is a cultural thing but in the south in the bible belt you know people get real excited sometimes run what we call glory laps do you guys ever <laughs> do it does that ever go on anywhere in australia where people get up and run around the auditorium and stuff like that when they get excited no, mate, you'd be classed as charismatic if you did that here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, we, we are very now. Here's 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 the struggle that I have, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I I've never seen the glory laps here, and I and I probably wouldn't promote that. Um, I understand American churches in the south, and I don't have an issue. You know, if that we've had we've had some of our guys go to Sammy Allen's camp meeting down okay. in Resaca, oh, Georgia. And yeah. one guy went there and he was, he was actually freaked out, you know what I mean, with all the screaming and the running. He's like, what in the world is this, you know? Uh, what we, The problem that we've got in Australia is that we're very British. We're very English to the point where we don't say amen. We like to nod our head, you know what I mean? Like, So we're not very verbal in our amen and praise the Lord and all of that. Now, I'd like to see that change because I believe, you know, to say amen and, you know, to praise the Lord even – please forgive me, but to, to raise your hands and praise the Lord, I see as a biblical thing. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as a charismatic thing. I see it as a biblical thing. 
And trying to get Australians to to do that is is like wow, getting them out of their comfort zone. Whereas in America, in the South, it's a little bit more easier. The Northern, you guys are North, because I've been to California, and uh, I was told that you can't gauge America based on California. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to uh, the leadership conference in Lancaster, and I've been to a leadership conference at Doug Fisher's church in San Diego. And again, you know, it, it, there's there was a difference, I guess. In those two churches, Brother Fisher's church down the south, they were very vocal and praising God and shouting and all of that. Whereas, you know, to the north in Lancaster, there they they were probably a little bit more reserved or conservative, if we put it that way. But um, yeah, so it's 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 different. It's different here in Australia, big time, okay. big time. Yeah, well, because in, yeah, in some of those churches in the south, I've literally heard preachers act like. You know, if you're don't if you're not doing the shouting and running all that, you don't have the Holy Ghost, and it's just like the these things would never happen in most cultures, and this mm-hmm. is a cultural thing you all are doing. And again, mm-hmm. I I wish you know I'm in Northern Illinois. I wish we our culture was a little more excited too. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if I want people running glory laps, but you no, know, I'm <laughs> I, I I have preached in the South before, and it's it can be more, it's definitely more enjoyable, you know, when people are getting excited and shouting and hollering and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, but it is, it's, I, it's an interesting thing when you ask yourself, like are when it comes to your standards, when it comes to your practices, are they Bible based or culturally based? And, and I don't, I think it's okay to try to have a culture, promote a culture, but we just need to call that what it is. It's, it's culture, not yeah. necessarily Bible, unless not, Let's not cream the church that culturally maybe is a little bit different than us, as long as it's something that's not sinful. Obviously, there's some cultural things that are sinful, and I'm always trying to sort that out in my mind, especially when I see something in another country. And I'm like, oh, that seems weird to me that they're doing that. But it's like, well, I guess it's not unbiblical, you know, but that we couldn't do that over here because it would weird everybody out and you know in america our 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 church music culture here would probably lean more towards bju Mm -hmm. so uh you know when it comes to singing here again there's differences in america obviously i I, um you know when it comes to instrumentation and so on i you know there's such a vast difference you know in independent fundamental baptist churches in america and australia but you know we we lean more towards the BJU, the very um, very uh, I call it stoic, you know, very proper. But you can't hold your microphone if you hold your microphone. That's of the devil, sort of thing, and that's very sensual and all this sort of stuff. And the music is very, you know, I I, I call it not very exciting at all. I I, I I like I like I like to sing. See, I think we can sing the hymns without it being a funeral dirge. You know what mm. I mean? Like I think we can. Sing the hymns where there's a little bit more, you know, excitement to, I'm not saying going wild or anything like that, but come on. I mean, you know, you, you think about our hymns, you think about there's power in the blood. There's nothing worse than singing there's power in the blood and you, and you look like a, a stone statue, wow. you know what I mean? Like, you know, so that, that, that's another thing that we have over here too, which some guys have tried to change that. Mm. And uh, my, my pastor that I was under who, who actually trained me, he brought a bass guitar. We we had a bass guitar in the church. You know, it wasn't a, wasn't a an electric. It was a proper a bass guitar, 
And we had another pastor here write him a letter uh, telling him that he shouldn't use that bass guitar because it looks like um, it looks like the, a male sex organ, right? So that's that's the le- yeah. I mean, that's wow. the sort of stuff we get. I know it's like crazy stuff. You know what I mean? So he 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 was like giving a hard time because he had a bass guitar in there. You know, it's like well. You know, I think I'd be marking again. that dude as a pervert if he sees a guitar and yeah, then sees that in his mind. We were like, what in the world? Where is this guy's mind? You know what I mean? Wow. But anyway, that's 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 a little bit, that's just a little bit of the stuff we get. I mean, we've been to meetings where it's like, oh, we had Sam Davison come over uh, a number of years ago now and this, we had a meeting in Sydney and, you know, some of the churches that sang, they held the microphone and everything. And then after the meeting, letters were sent out saying, oh, no, you shouldn't. Oh, you know, like just the, the whole politics of it really turn, it t- it turns a lot of people off. You know, it turns a lot of preachers off and they don't go to meetings because of that, you know. Yeah, you guys have definitely got a lot of American influence because we fight about stupid stuff <laughs> like that over here too. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's why Americans fit so well here. And when we go to America, we fit well over there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, your eschatology, were you, have you always believed the way you do, or how did you come to your position? Were you trained pre-trib and all that stuff? Uh, yeah. Trained pre-trib. You know, I, I basically believed what I believed because that's what we were taught to my shame. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, when you're being taught, you're taught those things. And, and we were always taught here not to question the pastor. Um, you know, if he if he says something, you don't question him at all. And my pastor that trained me said, always encourage questions. And that's how people learn. So, And I get the fact that there's, you know, you can question in a negative sense and so on. I get that. Um, but basically, yeah, taught, taught pre-trib, basically preached pre-trib uh, because that's what I was taught. Never really, never studied it for myself. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, never studied it for myself. Just believe what I believe because that's what we were told. That's what we are. Um, you know, when I took over, um, when I took over Sunshine Baptist Church here in Queensland from the American brother who's passes Wayne Williams, when I was walking through the church, I found a box and, and I come across uh, Roland Rasmussen's uh, that. Where is that over there? There you go. And and I and I read that. So this so this was back in two thousand nine. Okay. So back in 2009, I, I read that book, but I looked at it through the eyes of, of the pre-trib and, oh, that's not what we are. So I just basically put it aside, just didn't didn't worry about it. Um, and so, you know, I would talk to some other friend like Brother Kevin up here, who's my friend. He he, he would talk to me about it. And, and we're, we were friends, even though I was on a different page than what he was. And, you know, he shared some things with me and I just like, oh, no, you know, that we don't believe in that, you know. And then, of course, as I said before, when, you know, uh, Stephen Anderson, when he didn't actually come to Australia. He's not allowed to come to Australia. But when his when his teaching on, you know, the post post pre wrath position came in, that that just like it just went out and, and preachers were preaching against it and all the negativity that was preached against that. And, and so, you know, my position was, well, I'm pre-trib because that's what I've been told, all right? And what started for me was about, I would say, about five years ago, I was visiting an independent Baptist church on a Sunday night, and the pastor was preaching out of the Gospel of Mark. He was preaching through Mark, and he was in Mark 13. And when he was preaching through Mark 13, going through the Olivet Discourse in Mark 13, when he got to the the part where, you know, Jesus coming in the clouds, now, let me explain. I'll put a disclaimer here. This wasn't audible, but it was like the Spirit of God said to me, you need to study that. You need to look at that. 
So from that time on, I went home and I looked at all the references of Christ coming in the clouds and, uh, you know, looked, saw, saw when that came. It was after the tribulation. And so I'm trying, I love connecting dots. So I'm looking at it in the New Testament revelation. I'm looking at it in, you know, in the Old Testament. Uh, and then I started looking at the difference between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. Uh, you know, all those. So for me, it's been a bit of a journey for the last five years, stemming from just that one time in that church meeting where I, I really sensed the spirit of God saying, you need to check when I come back in the clouds. You know what I mean? So, so no, I've not always been uh, post-trib pre-wrath. I've, I've mainly been a, a pre-trib until five years ago. And now I'm very safe. I'm very secure on the, on the post-trib pre-wrath. I generally call it pre-wrath because over here, when you mention post-trib, they think, oh, that's at the end of seven years. So you believe you go in there. So to try and minimise any confusion from my perspective, I often say, no, I'm not pre-trib, I'm pre-wrath. Mm. You know, we're not we're not appointed to wrath. We're not appointed to the day of the Lord. And again, over here, there's there's you know there's some guys here that that did a um, that in their churches because they you know they hear that there are guys who are going pre-wrath, so we better start preaching some stuff. You know, one guy did five messages on on the rapture, and that was it. And and I listened to that, and most of that stuff was filled with. And you can tell when messages are filled with commentaries. Mm. You know what I mean? This is what this guy said, and it was just straight from the playbook. You know what I mean? And say so, like that was five messages, and another guy in Sydney did some messages on on the on the rapture and that. And uh, you know, but again, it, it was it was only a few messages where I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do the subject justice, you know, it's such a big a big topic. You don't just give five weeks to it. You've got to really teach it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never taught through Revelation. I have never taught through Revelation. I was always afraid of it. I, I was always taught it's confusing. I was always taught you know it's all jumbled up and all this sort of stuff. But probably when when I finished teaching through our doctrinal statement in our church, then then I've said to our church, we're going to go through the Book of Revelation and we're going to we're going to study that as a church. So they're all excited about that. Most of the folks in our church, probably except for one or two, uh, are on the same page as as what I am, which is a blessing. Um, but again, I've I've tried to make what I believe as far as a, a pre wrath, you know, rapture of the church. I've I've tried to not make it divisive. Like I actually don't believe it's. I actually don't believe that it's a doctrine you divide over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've been reading rather first as I'm going to get a copy of my own, but uh, one of the the guys from church uh, loaned me that, and and it was just amazing. Look, reading through that, how that years and years ago, preachers never divided over the subject of eschatology because it, you know what I mean. Like they just, I, I don't know whether it was a maturity thing or or what, but they just agreed to disagree. You know, you had some guys that had different, and that was fine. You know what I mean? But whereas now we've made it a, a standard of separation. Like if you're not pre-trib, I don't want anything to do with you. So my journey's my journey's been exciting. I'm still learning. Like I said, you know, I watch your podcast and, and there's some stuff on there that really challenges my thinking and I'm grateful for it and I'll look at it and I'll study it. The same with who is Israel, you know what I mean? Like always taught, well, you know, the, the Israel over there, that they're the people of God and you know, Romans chapter 2 is very clear. You know, you read Romans 9, 10, 11 is very clear. But again, it's like I think I think God's got to open the eyes to it. You know, God's got to. And I think and I'm grateful that the Lord, I think the Lord tried to open my eyes up to it. Like I said, back in 2009, I just I just wasn't willing to look at it. I was just, 
you know, no, that's that's just not right. You know what I mean? But until a time where God said, right, now you need to look at this. And I think I I, I love teaching on it. And I'm again, I, I don't have a lot of fellowship with pastors over here for, 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 for a number of reasons, basically centered around what you believe. And I, and I feel and that's why I think for me, I, I just I, I have a I have a little bit of an I don't care attitude. I'm going to I'm going to preach and teach what I believe the Bible says because I really don't have any associations or connections that I'm worried about. Oh, what will they say? You know what I mean? Whereas the other guys are really, really afraid of losing their associations with their pastor group. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the journey, the, the journey for me has been exciting and I would say still going, you know, it's still going. I'm settled that it's pre-wrath. I'm settled that, um, you know, I'm still, I'm still again, going through that Olivet, what you were teaching where mm-hmm. some's already come to pass and some of it, is yet to come and, and all of that. And I can see that. And so going through that and uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that's basically my journey. Well, yeah, that's interesting too. Cause um, I, I am convinced that what made this become a divisive thing, it was the hype of things in the seventies, late great planet Earth, thief of the night yeah. that the evangelicals, yeah. the TV preachers started getting big. That's when it got cemented in everybody's head before that. There was a variety of opinions seemed to be allowed. And so we kind of had s- several decades where, um, at least within the fundamental Baptist world, no one questioned pre-trib. And I'm thankful for, you know, guys like Roland Rasmussen. I have it too. Um, yeah. I-, I don't agree with everything he has in here. Nah. But, here- but here's what he did, nah. though. He-, he got a lot of things right that the uh, Baptist world had wrong. I think other guys that came along after him, I think guys like Steven Anderson had more right than Roland Rasmussen had right. Now, I don't think he has everything exactly. I don't think I have everything exactly right. But at the same time, what we're starting to see is, you know, for I think for a long time, uh, if you were anything but pre-trib, you know, you were deplatformed in the Baptist world because you did, you got kicked out of every group. But, you know, thankfully guys like him, you know, put out books. Uh, You know, you had Anderson with the internet, you know, and now we've got other guys writing books too. I think some of Matt Furse's books have been influential. I think it's kind of helping get, uh, get more things right. And really uh, I do not see myself as, um, you know, a, uh, a leader or an authority on these things. I use my podcast and any influence I have to get people talking. Hey, we need to talk more about this aspect right. of it because right. I think we still have more to learn. I think we've gotten way too dogmatic on some things where we probably shouldn't be. You know, let's explore this. Let's talk about this. Let's let's put our heads together and explore these things. And I and I think you know Baptists are getting closer. To the truth and i think the more too we can just break up the uh, stronghold of the pre-trib and the the pro-zionist thing the more it's going to get people looking and thinking and i am i am still exploring i am still learning um well as of this broadcast um i will appreciate but my message on sunday night uh as, while we're right now uh i i'm so excited about preaching it i mean i learned something when I was reading Hebrews, I noticed something it said in there that made me completely rethink how I view. Or well, first off, I had that passage in Hebrews wrong, but it 
has me looking at something in the Gospels just completely different. I'm just like, this is huge proof. How much stuff is there like this? But when you, those dispensational teachings we had, I, the way I said it put brick walls up in people's theology. And once you get through those things, it's like we find all these new areas of doctrine that we can explore and that we can learn from. And so I'm thankful for trailblazers that have been out there that have kind of created an environment where people now have some more things to explore. And, you know, Rasmussen didn't find everything. Anderson didn't find everything. I didn't find everything. But I I believe all those guys, and I'm hoping I can do this too, we're creating an environment where in the Baptist world, you are allowed to study these things and look into them. And uh, you don't have to be bound by the politics of it all because it is. It's it's political. And so I'm kind of disappointed. I had a feeling... It was probably the same way in Australia, but I was wondering if you guys are, are like us over there when it comes to that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, look, very, very, very dispensational. I mean, that's what you're taught here. You, you, study, you study the Bible. The right way to study the Bible is dispensationally. All right? So that's what you're taught. And it is a stumbling block. It's so hard. To, to get that thinking out of your out of your brain, you know what I mean? To to not look at it through the eyes of dispensationalism. And uh, one of the things that I'm grateful for is I've never been a commentary reader. I've never, like I used to have a Schofield reference Bible many, many years ago. Um, but when the Lord called me to preach, uh, my pastor gave me a, a Sunday school to, to teach and he gave me the regular Baptist press Sunday school curriculum and, and all of that. Okay, nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to use, that's fine. But I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if you've called me to preach, then I need to learn how to get messages from you through the scripture instead of relying on other people's notes. Um, so I've never I've never been a Matthew Henry fan. I've never been into commentary, J. Vernon McGee and all of that. I've never, never read them. Um, Schofield probably has been the big influence in lives over here because of Jack Hiles. Now, you know, when I was saved in 1980, Jack Hiles was the man over here. I mean, you know, we had his church manual, our, 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 our tape, yes, tape ministry was uh, Jack Hiles and, and Bob Gray and, and all of those guys back in the day. So, you know, Jack Hiles was someone who did promote the Schofield Reference Bible, though there were times where he said, oh, I don't agree with all of his notes. But we all had Schofield Reference Bibles over here because... You listen to Jack Hiles and and uh, the guy who did his Bible reading would say, now turn to page number 100 mm-hmm. and then you Schofield reference Bible. And what I found is I, I was always going to Schofield's notes when I was reading the Bible and I thought, I can't do that. So it's like I got rid of all study Bibles. I didn't want to study Bible and the Bible I got now has got no notes in it, you know. So dispensationalism over here is just as big as what it is over there, probably because of the influence of American mm. colleges over here and so on, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a big stumbling block. And i got to take my hat off to Roland Rasmussen because I, when he brought that book out, he would have been shunned big time, I guess, by the brethren over there. You know? So, you know, it was a it was a big deal. Um, my, my question is I wonder whether – his, his son, I think Tim now, passes the church there. Now, I wonder if he's the same position, you know, or, know. or did yeah, or did Roland's position on that just basically die with him, you know what I mean? And, and if I guess if the pastor there now, if Tim's position is, is pre-wrath, and I've known him to preach at Lancaster before too, so 
you know, I think Lancaster and as at Faith Baptist Church in Canoga Park there, you know, they still have a relationship together. So it's very interesting, you know, I guess what's happening today and the groundbreaking stuff that's come out, you know. So very thankful for guys like that. But, yeah, Schofield dispensation is a big thing over here, big mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of churches too and I, where guys believe right, but they're they're just quiet about it. You know, they, they yeah. don't put their stuff online and, you know, and it's too bad because, you know, I would like them to be more vocal because one, there's a lot of people looking for churches that believe right. But then two, right. the more of us there are, the more people aren't going to feel like a freak. And because yeah. you know, the thing is, when I first started becoming aware that the pre-trip might not be right and the dispensationalism might not be right, I mean... In, in my world, I, I wasn't familiar with, I didn't know who Roland Rasmussen was. I didn't know who Anderson was. I didn't know who these guys were. And so, um, but it was around that time that Anderson started getting bigger, you know, promoting the post-trib. And so I started hearing people talk about it. And mm. and and so that just kind of got my interest even more. So then when I found out, and, and, and even at the time, I'd only listened to a little bit of his stuff. I didn't even, I knew he was post-trib, but I didn't know he was also non-dispensational. And I remember, I remember I had come to the conclusion that dispensationalism's garbage. I went and I, mm. I, I pulled this book out again, Dispensational Truth, and oh, read yeah. it again. And I got done reading it and I'm like, that book is garbage. Dispensationalism is garbage. And I remember mm. it, I was encouraged because um, right around that time I came across a sermon by David Burzens, who was also uh, out of Anderson's church, and he had preached a sermon against dispensationalism. Because I, I felt like I was the only Baptist in the world who was non-dispensational. That that's how I was in my mind. Now, since then, I've learned that there are there are many Baptists that are non-dispensational. I even know some pre-trib, pro-Israel, non-dispensational Baptists. There's a lot of Baptists who have recognized just the many heresies in that teaching. And so, um, but again, those guys have been canceled in the IFB. Mm. And so, you know, at no. least in our world, you know, we have the fellowship, you know, through the internet and things like that where we can communicate, but yeah, guys like Rasmussen, he wouldn't have had that, you know? And, and so I do, I, you really gotta, you know, tip your hat to guys like him that took the heat and, you know, probably lost a lot of friends for the position, but I will say too, though, that um, it's it's gotten to the point now where you know I am able and I to fellowship with a lot of pre-trippers. You know, they uh, I they'll come preach for me. For a while, they wouldn't. For a while, I couldn't get people to come preach for me. Uh, I don't preach for that many pre-trippers. I do very rarely. Um, and typically, if they and typically ones that don't have an online ministry, so it's not like seen in the <laughs> online world. Um, you know, I, I'll get invited to their meetings, uh, and I'm able to go and fellowship, and I get along with them great. But uh, I do think the the time is getting close to where you know people like us will be more common, accepted, and it is it's because even the people who haven't changed, and some guys. They've been preaching for so they're not going to change at this point. But 
I do think they're realizing, you know, it's not as clear because they thought we probably could give these people a chance. They're solid on the other doctrines. And I'm thankful for that because I enjoy yeah. fellowship with my pre-trib brethren because uh, there's a lot of good people in that world. Well, I think that, we've, got to, we've, got to ex, we've got to extend grace to each other. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like because, you know, if you've got the fundamentals down, uh, you know, salvation and so on, uh, okay, you may be a little bit different over here, but, you know, it doesn't affect salvation. We ought to, we ought to allow each other the opportunity. Whatever happened to, um, you know, the Baptist acronym, you know, Bible is soul authority, but then you've got individual soul liberty. And to me, individual soul liberty is the right for you or I to study the scriptures. You know, and if I come to a different position, as long as it's not heretical, you know, if I come to a different position on the rapture, then where is the grace extended? You know what I mean? But but you come to a different position like over there, like it is over here, and you're, you're blackballed. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're a heretic. You're this, you're that. We don't, you know, oh, you can come to, you can come to our conference right but you can sit there you know what i mean it's like you know i don't i don't see myself anytime soon getting invited to preach in any of our our what we call major conferences over here and i'm okay with that mm. i really am i'm okay with that i love my local church i want to teach the folks in my local church and uh you know if i never got invited to preach anywhere else that's that's great i'm, I'm okay with that you know yeah that's how i feel too like i i enjoy preaching places and i and all that but at the same, I love my liberty that I have, yeah. and I refuse to sacrifice that. Sacrifice Absolutely. that to be part of some club or movement or whatever. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. And you know, and again, uh, there are. So uh, I, I, I will not name the church. I will not name the preachers, just because. Um, but I, I literally this week, this week I got invited to a meeting that was going to be very pro-Israel, uh, where and uh, the preacher that was preaching is very pro-israel and i told the pastor i was like you know i i i told him i was like i emailed him back and i was like well i don't know if you realize i've got a completely different position on this and i don't want to like mm. i didn't want to just show up and be perceived as like spying or something like that but i said i'd love to come for the fellowship i, I hadn't seen some of these people in a while in person and uh he said i knew your position when i asked you're more than welcome to come and I went there, and uh, I saw I saw the man. And I, uh, when he saw me, he got up and he and, and and he gave me a hug. And he was wearing in his a tie with the Israeli flag on it. And and, and you know what? And I and I didn't care, you know, because you know we we have a a disagreement, but we have a mutual respect for each other, and. Uh, he was, and he was him and that pastor, the speaker and the pastor, they were, I, they were being very gracious towards me because they feel like I'm an heir. I feel like I was mm. being gracious towards them as well, because I feel like mm. they're an heir at the end of the day, you know, the, you know, they're right on the gospel. And, um, and so, you know, I don't mind, I, I think we need some of that. But yeah, um, I think one of the reasons these particular individuals are able to extend that grace as I am able to extend that grace is because, too, these are guys who have been politically blackballed in the IFB world. And um, and, and you know what? There's a lot of Baptists in America who they are they're not connected politically uh, because mm -hmm. they've they've been canceled and all that kind of stuff but you know what these guys they stand by their convictions 
they they don't compromise on anything and it's those guys that are capable to recognize where we should divide and where we should not divide and it's the guys who are connected politically and popular they're they're the sellouts they're the one that make a bigger deal than they should and I do I, I I like big conferences and all that kind of stuff but I think these things end up corrupting people more than anything mm. and I think that's I think that's too bad so I'm thankful for people who are truly independent even if they're not exactly like me and I I just don't like guys who just parrot some other preacher I, I like individuals and so even when yeah. I listen to some of your teaching on this too is you know I I could tell and I can I can recognize this I can tell the people who are just repeating what they heard from somebody else and the people who are have you know obviously we all learn from other people but you sure, can tell absolutely. they actually went and got the scriptures themselves too right. and they actually have something original to say and mm. about it and so uh i i you know i appreciated that and so it shows me they're the real thing and not just parroting somebody but so yeah but i, so, I yeah good but come on now say so the the big conference you went to the pro-israel conference was a john Hagee conference no <laughs> No, I'm not that gracious. I'm not yeah, I'm, not <laughs> I, I, I'm not yeah that the, benefit, the benefit that you guys have over there is that there's so many independent fundamental Baptist mm -hmm. churches over there, right? Yeah. So here in Australia, it's like a fishbowl. You know, there's only about there's only about 200 independent fundamental Baptist churches here in Australia, and so we're a very small community. And so, therefore, when you've got the majority of them all going in one way and then you, you're like that salmon that's going upstream, mm. you know what I mean? It's like it, it's it's very I, I would say it's very different here in that regard, whereas I guess you've got more opportunity perhaps um, to be a little bit more gracious and go to conferences and, you know, have someone come preach. Well, I have a guy that preaches for us. He's an evangelist. He's he's a he's a pre-trib. Um, but I've had him come preach for me, and I, I love him. I think he's a great guy, and um, you know. So I, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy that oh, if you don't agree exactly a hundred percent down the line, just like me, I don't want anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I want to try and be as gracious as I can. Um, I just want someone. If someone comes to preach in my pulpit, I just want someone to come and just preach the word and and preach it like they mean it and have a bit of fire and passion about it. You know what I mean? Because I really think we need in our day to day, we need our pulpits filled with men that will just preach the word. You know what I mean? Like been meditating a lot on Ezekiel chapter two, you know, where, where God tells Ezekiel to stand before him and, and, and preach whether people hear it or not. And he had to consume that book. He had to eat that book and he had to preach from that book. And I find that that's just like us today. We've got a book, you know, that we ought to be consuming and, and preaching the word and we've got to preach it straight down the line. You know what I mean? We don't have to be hateful about it. We can we can still preach it with passion and with conviction. Uh, you know, and I think that's what we need today, you know. And if, again, if I'm ostracized by it or if you're ostracized by it, then I'd rather stand before Jesus, right, on judgment day and hear him say, well done, Right. Instead of standing before him ashamed and say, well, Lord, I didn't want to preach that. Even though you showed me it, I didn't want to preach it because I was worried about I'll make down the road. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking a stand. I know it's, it is. It's got to be tough over there in Australia. It's more lonely uh, over there. But um, 
I believe the Lord will bless you for it. And so uh, I do appreciate you coming on the program. And uh, if I uh, have any Australian listeners and you're anywhere in that area, I don't know Australia very well or even where where you're at in Australia. or the, I know Queensland. I just don't know where that is. It's a big country. It's all Australia to me. But uh, I think if you ask the I think if you ask the average American where is Australia, I think a lot of them don't even know where it is, do they? Well, does it even exist anyway? <laughs> I've heard on the internet it doesn't even really exist. <laughs> so, but, we're not mentioned. We're not mentioned in Revelation, no. <laughs> yeah, well, and the th- and the truth is too. I mean, uh, you know, if uh, I guess technically, if you're in Australia, if the you know. Shouldn't the video look more like this? Isn't shouldn't that? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. At least, at least we say tomato, not tomato, and Uh aluminium, aluminum. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, it's been great. I really look. I really do appreciate your ministry. I appreciate the podcast, Spirit of Prophecy podcast, and uh, appreciate the the opportunity to come on and and really do count it a privilege. And you know, I listen to you. I listen to Patrick Boyle. I like I like Patrick Boyle as well, and I've listened to Matt first, and uh, it's just it's just refreshing to know that again, you know, there are guys out there. Even if we only get to do it this way and listen to each other this way, at least there's some guys that we can listen to and mm-hmm. you know fellowship with in, in this way. And and good books are being written, you know. So I'm looking forward to you know again to reading that one as well. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Yeah. Uh, you know, looking forward to reading through that and and just some really good. You know, for me, it's like uh, the way I've done it is I, I, I came to a position on it and then read books after it. You know, I, I didn't I didn't go to a book first and read a book and then get necessarily swayed by that. I, I, I started I wanted to study the scripture. And then, you know, this 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 probably would have been the only book, the Roland Rasmussen one that I read before mm-hmm. I actually studied it out. And I've read it since. And, and I, I agree with you on it and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate I guess another one we got to kind of have to get a shout out to is Wayne Williams because you know he yeah. was another one from that time era, another trailblazer, and there are there's a lot of guys connected with him that also believe right on these things, and so yeah, uh, yeah, you do you got to appreciate those guys uh, from the previous generation that were ahead of their time, uh, you know, because it would it would be it would it would have me scratching my head a little bit if this was just like a brand new thing in this generation, but there have been people fundamental baptists it's just they typically got canceled from the big meetings and stuff and so but thankfully yeah. though there were guys out there listening to what they had to say you know and uh you know it it paid off because i know you know wayne williams he's gone now uh, i believe but you know you got matt first and then there's other guys that were connected yeah. to him that are preaching right i know that guys like anderson went to rasmussen's church for yeah. Yeah, I, I think he got his parents saved if I if I remember correctly. So, yeah. uh, you know, there uh, these guys, I believe they deserve a lot of credit for the movement in the right direction. And they didn't get to Absolutely. see it. You know, they didn't get to see that. But I do believe uh, in the near future, um, it's going to be much bigger uh, when it comes to that. And um, I think I think we all owe them. Uh, for that we can call them kind of the original reformers of eschatology <laughs> in the uh, in the baptist world and so uh but anyway but again uh thank you so much for coming on here i really appreciate it and thank you everyone oh, thank for you. watching this program and make sure you like and share this and so god bless you we'll see you all next time 
Amen. God bless.